Welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit. This is episode 133. The Ronin Rabbit is an Osagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and um, this book is 20 years old, but there will be spoilers. You can get in touch with me at Teal Productions on Twitter. Teal is T-E-A-L. I post the episodes on Facebook on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo and Usagi Yojimbo fan pages. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website, and UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Now, I'm looking at Usagi Yojimbo Volume 3, Issue 43, from Dark Horse Comics, cover dated November 2000. And the story is Grasscutter 2, Journey to Atsuka Shrine. This is Chapter 4, Visions in the Shadows. Now, the cover, we have the ninja Chizu, uh, a apparently about to run an unconscious Usagi through with a pretty mean-looking sword here. So, let's see what happens in relation to that, shall we? Opening up, we have the very first panel. We see Chizu walking away from a, uh, a small house of some sort here. And then when we go inside, we see our group of heroes... Miyamoto Usagi, of course, our protagonist. Murakami Genosuke, again, uh, the priest Sanshobo, who is a retired uh, military man and became a priest. And Lord Ikita, who is a retired military man who became a uh, peasant farmer with a wife, and he has now uh, two kids, I believe it is. So they're here. Uh, they're questing after the grass cutter sword. Uh, they have it in their possession. And we see they have taken uh, a bit of respite here in Akita's hut, his house. Uh, the wife and the kids are helping set things up. The wife is cooking some dinner for them. While the menfolk are discussing what their next move is, particularly as it uh, applies to Chizu, who Usagi um, has a very soft spot for pretty pretty obviously, or pretty of course, given their relationship. Um, Senshobo is kind of on the fence. He does what is necessary. Lord Ikita wants to get rid of her, as in terminally. And Genosuke is kind of on the fence, but he always leans towards violence if he's on the fence. And so he's for killing her as well. Um, so... It's kind of, you know, everybody's kind of in limbo as to what to do about her because she's a ninja. Uh, they have just found out she's after the sword, too. And as we all know, you cannot trust ninja. That that will end badly. So, well, except for Usagi. He doesn't believe that. I, I believe that, though. Never trust a ninja. Even if they're the good guy, never trust them. You never know. You know, that's kind of why ninja make, uh, in my mind, kind of good bad guys because they are willing to be bad and you never know necessarily when they might completely flip the switch and turn on you as as the reader, right? So, so they finally decide after a little bit of discussion and uh, again, chowing down on a big fish. Uh, I, I like what they've done. They've taken a, a, whole f a whole fish. I don't know if they even gutted it, but they've taken a whole fish. They've spit it uh, and they've just stuck the spit into the ground leaning over flame so it's a so it's an open flame 
uh, broil or barbecue of a whole fish. And depending on the kind of fish, I bet that's a very good preparation. Also, I'm kind of a trout uh, catfish man myself as far as freshwater fish. I'll, I'll do bass at times too, but trout and catfish in particular. This is by no means a catfish unless it's a very, very young one. So, okay. Um, as you can tell, I'm getting kind of hungry here later on in the day. And discussing what to do, and finally they decide that uh, they're going to sleep on it. And just keep an eye out for Chizu and not make any definite plans now. But as I indicated, everyone's position in the future, you know, I would assume when they take up the question again, that will still be their position. So they fall asleep here. And I noticed, and it comes to play a little bit later, here in the fire pit, as um, Ikeda is talking to his family, preparing to... Uh, bed everyone for the night that there is a pellet here in the fire pit and it's hissing so uh, we have several panels here of Akita it, it's an opportunity for the storyteller to show where Akita has come from and where Akita is he is um, sorry about that sound on the mic he is daydreaming I guess, about what he could do with Grasscutter or what the power of Grasscutter would mean for him. And he imagines himself all the way up to being a Shogun. Uh, this is just in word balloons. It's not, you know, there's no visual. Uh, and then he kind of catches himself and realizes what's going on, sets the sword down and sighs. <sighs> Such fantasies are not for peasants. So that he, he is... Um, to me, that shows that he is comfortable in his in his current skin. Uh, although it's not where he came from, you know, it, it is where he is now, and he is he is okay with that. So I, I thought that was a little bit of um, I don't know necessarily character development, but kind of character show and tell, um, because we we have seen the story of Akita before. He, uh, if if I recall correctly, he didn't necessarily willingly become the peasant but over a period of time of necessity the peasant became him if if you get my meaning so all right the next uh page series of panels we go back to chizu we see her running through the forest with um no she doesn't have it yet she sends up a signal uh that is a firework uh, in essence and she thinks if any of my comrades have survived, they will see my signal. Now it's just a matter of waiting. And if we think back a chapter to the clan uh, that Chizu is head of, uh, went after the sword. They, they, for their own purposes, want the sword. And they split into two groups to accomplish two different missions. Well, the group that Chizu was with was beset by the Komori Ninja clan. Um, and all were killed but her. She did not know that per se, but we kind of saw it, and, and this story will bear that out. Now, the other group, uh, we really haven't seen anything about, and I would imagine that if they were okay, then that, that flare would have signaled for them too. But we'll, we'll see what happens here in a few pages. Um, Ikita starts waking up, 
and for whatever reason happens to notice that there's a pellet in the ashes and then thinks back to the ninja, realizes it's a ninja trick, but he falls back asleep as apparently that is what the pellet is for, is to induce uh, unconsciousness, however it does it chemically, I guess, uh, in those within a certain vicinity. So everyone in this house, uh, our companions, Aikida's wife and daughter, uh, are all asleep. And then the son returns at sunup, having been out uh, on guard watching for the return of Chizu, as he had been directed by his father, Akita. And he comes in, sees everyone unconscious. Now, everyone is, you know, kind of laying asleep, except Akita. He looks like he has fallen. So uh, his son runs to him, and in trying to wake him up, he succumbs to whatever the chemical is in the in the room as well. So we've waited several hours, and Chizu realizes that a, no one is there, and B, no one is probably coming, and decides to take off back to the cabin, as she apparently is the one that must have dropped the pellet. Um, she doesn't look like a rabbit, but maybe it was a rabbit pellet? No, that's a joke. Never mind. Um, so she turns around and goes back to the hut, finds everyone unconscious, makes it a point to go up to Usagi and says, forgive my betrayal, Usagi, but I could just as easily have killed you all. Which is, that's supposed to make them feel better if they heard it. Um, it's supposed to make us feel better as the reader that she has turned on them after the, you know. And, and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like upset, upset with her character because that is what her character is for. That's the part she is to play in the story. But even knowing that, it, it doesn't you know necessarily take away disappointment when you see characters do as they are intended to do. Um, at times, me as the reader kind of wish that it was other. Um, I don't necessarily know what the other would be, but you know, at times just other. And Chizo is one of those. She is the you know the evil person with the good heart, let's say. Uh, so you know, you always. Um, I, I'll refer, I always want to see her do better, but I am never surprised when she reverts to type because that's, you know, that's what she's there for as a character. So she goes, she picks up Grass Cutter, and as she's leaving, she realizes, oh, now's my chance to get a little bit of revenge. So she goes back up to uh, Genosuke, who uh, they had a, a rather violent interaction a, a chapter or two ago, and she takes both of his swords and does something. You, you can't really tell. There's no indication of, you know, death's head or blood or anything like that. But we don't know. We just know that it was with his swords that she did it. Five really cool panels here on the next page. We see daylight breaking over the mountains and then the sun rising over the mountains. Sunshine on the uh, hut. Sun streaming through a window on the hut. The, the sunlight moving up to where it's across the eyes of Usagi waking him, and then Usagi wakes up. Uh, it, it's a very cool uh, successional time sequential art sequence there, and, and I, I, I really dug that in a, you know, in a quiet uh, kind of moment of a uh, what you know ultimately could turn out to be a rather overall violent storyline. We have this slow, quiet moment, and, and that's just, that's cool to see interspersed throughout. Mr. Sakai is, is very good at that, 
uh, slow moments and high action. And, you know, whatever is in between that, that needs to connect the two. But th those are two uh, points of his art and storytelling that I particularly appreciate. The slower moments and then the action sword scenes, which being a samurai, of course, Usagi gets into many of those. Uh, so Usagi wakes up first, wakes up saying Shobo the priest. They then see that Aikida is laying there with his son, who has collapsed on him because he was trying to rouse Akita. Um, and then Usagi goes to the wife and daughter and finds that they are very asleep. Uh, Senshobo attends to the boy, you know, to make sure that he is alive at least. They yell at Gen and wake Gen up, and we find that what Chizu had done was taken his uh, sword and wakasashi and uh, had pinned his robe to the wall behind him. So he was pinioned in the arms uh, by the two swords. So they released him, wake everyone up. Then uh, Senshobo, Genosuke, and Usagi are given some provisions, and they take out after uh, Chizu. Uh, however, they think to get, they don't, you know, really discuss where they think she went or or how she's going there or anything like that. They do know what she ultimately plans to do with the sword, and that's throw it back into the ocean. Or so she says. I don't know that I would trust that. But So I guess what they're going to do is they're just going to make for the coast and see if they can overtake her, find a sign of her, or you know beat her to the coast. Uh, funny thing is, my geographical understanding of Japan is there is a lot of coast, so just... Going to the coast, would, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how that would be enough. <laughs> so uh, you'd have a better chance of saying, get away from the coast, and maybe then it would narrow down, you know, your possibilities. But so uh, next page, next many pages, I think actually until the end of the story, uh, we focus on Chizu. She's running through the forest. We see that she has the grass cutter sword or has grass cutter. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the name of the sword. And... Um, we find that she's she's just exhausted. She stumbles, she falls, kicks up, to, you know, just a very major fall, showing that she has no strength left. So she decides that she needs to um, find a place where she can light and slip into a deep ninja trance. Those are her words. I should be safe enough in the treetop. So she climbs up a tree, sits down on a branch here, and go whatever goes into a trance. I, goes to sleep, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a meditative trance that uh, allows the body to rest. But she is not so tranced that she doesn't hear the three throwing stars that are flung at her and leaves her perch just as the stars hit the tree against which she had been leaning. So it was that close. Now, cool is that she jumped and attached herself to the bottom side of a limb in a nearby tree, kind of like a, you know, some kind of squirrel or bat or whatever hanging on the bottom of the limb. Um, searching, and, and it's cool, we have a panel here with her point of view looking out into the forest, you know, and we see trees and bushes and leaves and everything, but we can't really, I don't know that in this picture was drawn her adversary. If it was, it's, it's very well hidden. I don't see it at all. So she's looking, you know, then we, the camera turns back to her and we see her peering, you know, kind of between limbs. And uh, fortunately, this isn't a video because if you guys could see me, I'm like 
bending and bobbing and weaving as I'm trying to emulate what I think she's doing. And it strikes me as funny in that this is a audio format, not video. But So I'm, I'm getting into it back here. Uh, then off in the distance, she sees something there, but she sees a little too late because they foist something that looks like it's on fire, and then it strikes where she was with a large boom. Um, so I don't know if necessarily it was a, a bomb or a grenade or if it was intended to douse her, you know, in something. But either way, she escapes, and as she falls and tumbles, she loses a trio of throwing stars, all of which miss her adversary, but they have to move. And then as uh, her adversary changes where he, she, they are, <coughs> excuse me, uh, loose another throwing star. Uh, at this point, Chizu decides that she is going to uh, change where she is completely. And so we have a panel here of her uh, flipping and jumping amongst the branches down a tree to a much lower level and stops and shouts out, Nico Ninja, who are you? And the ninja is in sight, uh, standing on another limb here within vis visual range. And says, have you forgotten me so soon, Kashira? Kashira is uh, chief. Uh, and I don't know if, if, if that's a general word or if it's ninja chief. But that's that's the word they use for chief in, in her ninja clan. And it turns out it's Saru. Back several uh, books ago, approximately, what does it say, nine issues ago... Uh, Chizu released Saru and her betrothed Take uh, from their vow of ninja-ness, shall we, shall we say. I let them go on and, and live their life in peace. Well, soon after, at the direction of a Nico Ninja trader, um, the second in command, if, if you guys have read that. If not, uh, spoiler. But I warned at the beginning. So, And they were attacked. Uh, Saru and Take were attacked. And Take was killed. Well, Saru has had this thing out for Chizu because she believes that Chizu gave the order to attack them. And that Saru just happened to survive. So she, since then, has been trailing Chizu to find her to... Uh, have this one-on-one -on -one duel of, you know, regaining my Take's dead honor, I must kill you, kind of thing. And it turns out, as they're conversing, that we see that Chizu and Saru went through training together. So they are, um, as far as their abilities, and as far as Saru feels, equal. So it's, it's two equal ninja fighting each other, flipping around, uh, jumping around. Let's see, what are they doing? Chizu here sets the grass cutter down, jumps at Saru. There is a ninja smoke bomb. Chizu disappears, like Weiwei disappears. And Saru is looking for her. And then Saru sees Chizu jumping through the trees and looses a trio of throwing stars at her. They all hit, knock her to the ground. But when Saru gets to the ground, she finds that she was tricked by Kawarimi, 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 the ninja art of illusion. I apologize for my pronunciation. And then Chizu uh, kind of materializes, although, you know, that the, the ninja in Usagi so far haven't really been, like, mystically powered. So she just steps out from behind the tree kind of thing. 
and we had the final confrontation, but uh, Saru actually listens to her, listens to Chizu, and believes her. And so they stop fighting because now Saru believes that she has done uh, Chizu wrong. She blamed her wrongly and asks for forgiveness. Um, Honor demands retribution for my actions against you. I'll do anything. And we see that, uh, you know, Chizu seems to be contemplative. But again, she's like, no, I gave you a chance to get out of this life. You need to go and get out of this life. But their, uh, their resolution of their storyline is interrupted by a group of the Komori ninja who have also been tracking Chizu and now have finally um, found her. So at the end of this chapter, this issue, it looks like Chizu and Saru against mm, four to six to eight Komori ninja. Now the Komori ninja are the bat ninja with the sword on the leading edges of their wings. And then the Nico ninja are who Chizu and Saru are members of. All right, that is the end of chapter four of the Grass Cutter 2 Journey to Atsuka Shrine story. Uh, we were given the words Ronin, which is a masterless samurai, Kashira, which is translated as chief, and Kawarimi, Kawarimi, excuse me, is the ninja art of illusion. Looks like next time out, I have scheduled to talk about the Color Classics issue four uh, that has recently come out. So that is what is in store for next issue. Thanks for uh, tagging along on this journey. For those of you that may be new to the show, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for setting apart some of your time to listen to me uh, spend part of my time. If there's anything that you, you know, need help with or uh, feel that uh, that I can assist you with. The ways of getting in touch with me are at the top of the show. Otherwise, I will talk to you guys again next week. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.